Welcome back to the Oasis Church Podcast. We're so glad you're here. As a church, we believe that you're made for this, and God has a plan for your life. Here's this week's message. Who's happy to be in church today? Come on. Man, God is good, and that worship is amazing, is it not? Uh, the worship team's in here. They heard that. that. That worship is amazing, is it not? Come on. Man, you know, um, I've had the opportunity uh, through my years of ministry to actually travel quite a bit and, um, and go different places, speak different places. And, um, uh, you know, a lot of times when you go away and you, you minister at a church, um, I usually come back and I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm so thankful for my church. Um, but I have to tell you something, um, being here, at Oasis Church, I don't think I can go home and be like, man, I'm so thankful for my church. I'm like, man, can we get some of what you got at my church? I'm telling you, man, this is, this is amazing what God is doing here at this church. I've uh, known Pastor Julian um, for like, I think it's just right around three years. He came out and spoke um, at a youth camp that we were doing. We've been doing a youth camp for 10 years. We started it. Uh, the reason we started the youth camp was because uh, my daughter, my oldest daughter was heading into that age. Um, where um, she was going into youth. And I just know great things happen at youth camps. And, um, and so I was like, we need to start a youth camp. And so I rallied a couple of other churches and we did the start of this youth camp 10 years ago. There's now several hundred young people that go to it. It's awesome. Three years ago, he came. And I'm telling you, it was fire. It's probably, one, honestly, still today, I think it was the best camp we've had in 10 years. Um, just the word, the straight word of God that came, the prophetic that came, um, and the ministry to the young people that came. And this is what I love about uh, your pastors um, is they love people. They genuinely love people. And I saw it at that camp. And then little did I know that God actually set that camp up for some selfish reasons. My daughter, my youngest would go away and play basketball up here in the LA area for college. And as a Christian parent, uh, you know, one of my great prayers was, Hey Lord, let them find a great church. And, um, she was about 30 minutes from here and she was trying to get plugged into a church and it just wasn't, it wasn't working, it wasn't happening, nothing was the right fit. And I happened to be ta- talking to Pastor Julian, and uh, he got super prophetic without being prophetic. Y'all know what I'm talking about? He just looks at you and talking, and he's prophesying over you, and all of a sudden it hits you, and you're like, oh, wow, he's, he's prophesying over me. And he was prophesying over the phone about my daughter, and I just broke down, and I was weeping. And uh, man, I'm telling you, uh, him along with his family and this church took my daughter in like their own and it just touched my heart. And I saw how much uh, your pastors love people. And so this became my daughter's church uh, when she's not in San Diego. And uh, so it's, it feels like family. It's good to be here. Uh, God is good. Um, I just got a cool report that things that are happening at our church, um, our team, I try to tell them to leave me alone when I'm not there, but they don't because they're so excited about what God is doing in our church. And uh, so they're sending us a message about what's taking place there. The children's ministry is overflowing um, and, uh, and uh, miracles are taking place this morning. And uh, miracles have been taking place in our church uh, for a good season now, I'd say for about six months. And uh, we came into 2023 and a prophet came in and gave us a word that this would be the year that Canvas Church partners with heaven to see the miraculous. Um, now that's a great word to get, but that means someone's gonna need a miracle, Right. And no one wants to be, everyone wants to see miracles. No one wants to be the one that needs the miracle, right? And so we got this word and we're like, okay, God. And about three days in, four days in or so into 2023, 
Um, in one of our staff meetings, our worship director let us know she just got diagnosed with stage three triple negative breast cancer. And, um, and so, you know, we didn't see this coming, although the Lord said this is going to be the year that Canvas Church partners with heaven to see the miraculous. And so we began to pray. And uh, God was doing miracle after miracle after miracle. And while I'm here right now on a Sunday morning, our church just announced this morning that our worship director is cancer-free in Jesus' name. And I'm telling you, they, they're sending us pictures saying the place went ballistic. And uh, during worship, people flooded the altars and are getting prayed for for miracles. God's moving. And uh, this has been happening in our church ever since that. It stirred our faith in our church. And we couldn't just pray for our worship director to experience a miracle. So we just started having miracle altar calls in every environment we were in. And God honored it. And uh, we're seeing people get healed from cancers. And, uh, and, and so I'm going to pray today for some of you that need a miracle. And I believe God's going to do a miracle in your life today. I really believe that. Um, we saw a young lady, 12 years old, who has Down syndrome, and because of that, there were some other complications within her spine to where she had some things with her neck to where if she, uh, they had to help her downstairs and walk and stuff because if she fell going down the stairs, she could actually die because it would do so, break her neck. And um, ever since she was about five years old, she's been asking for one thing for her birthday, which is a bicycle. Well, they're unable to get her a bicycle because if she's riding the bike and something happens, she could die. And so they refused to get her this bicycle. Well, um, about three months ago, she came up in a, in a worship moment at our church, her and her dad, and just wanted prayer. And so we prayed for her. Um, actually, I think it was on a worship night on a Thursday night. We prayed for her. And then on Monday, she went in for her yearly checkup. And the doctor came out and said, I don't know what's going on, but that neck is completely normal. And, uh, and so we, we immediately looked at each other and said, we're buying her bike. And so we bought her her first bike, and man, she was so full of joy. Uh, we had a young man that's new to our church, uh, newly married. They have a little one, and uh, they dedicated their child to the Lord that day. And then afterwards, at the end of the service, came forward because he heard us talking about all the miracles that are taking place. And he said, hey, I just got word this week that my grandpa has stage four cancer, and there's nothing they can do other than just medicate the pain. And so he needs a miracle. And he lives in another state. And so we prayed with um, Garrett is the guy's name. We prayed with Garrett there for his grandpa. And on Wednesday of that week, he uh, messaged us and said, uh, my grandpa just went in for his checkup and the cancer is completely gone out of his body. And, uh, and these, I mean, God just, uh, we, had a, we had a couple that's uh, been married for a while, been believing for a child and unable to have a child. And they've been trying and trying and trying. They came forward uh, in the midst of all that we're talking about and praying for, for these miracles. And they just announced to us two weeks ago that they're pregnant with their first child. Um, God is doing miracles in our church. And so I just feel like, uh, and I, I texted Pastor Julian, I think it was this week or last week, saying, hey, man, I'm so excited to be with you. I'm gonna pray for anybody and everybody needs a miracle. And uh, not that I have anything to do with the miracle. I just have to be obedient to what the Holy Spirit's telling me to do, which is to pray for everybody that needs one. Um, he's the miracle worker. I'm just the conduit. And I step out in faith. And so, uh, man, I'm going to pray for everyone who needs a miracle today by the end of this service. Uh, but before we get there, we're going to go to the Word. Um, why is that? Because you know what? It's the Word of God that's preached that um, Jesus himself said, I'm going to confirm my Word uh, with signs and wonders following. Mark 16, 20. I'm going to come, and the word that's preached, I'm going to confirm that word uh, with signs and wonders. And so we're going to preach the word today. So go with me to Psalm 119. Psalm 119, incredible psalm uh, out of all the psalms. Psalm 119, so powerful, so good. Uh, all of the psalms were written in a poetic song form, and most people believe this was done so that people could memorize the word. 
and they would be able to, you know, how many guys remember songs from the 70s? Come on, somebody. Yeah, how many, some are like, I'm not that old, the 80s, you know, 90s, you know, you remember these songs, it comes on and you know all the words, the roof, the roof, the, don't finish the song, all right? Um, but you know it, right? I mean, the words are already going through your mind, right? You know it. Well, uh, the Psalms were written in a poetic form so that they could, they could memorize. And Psalm 119 is just one of those powerful Psalms, 176 verses, arguably the longest chapter in all the Bible, um, longer than some of the New Testament books of the Bible. Out of 176 verses, 171 of them make reference to the Word of God and the supremacy of the Word of God. It might say, it might say law, it might say statue, it might say word, but it's directed to the the glory and the power of the word of God. Uh, it's written in 22 different stanzas because it's written like a poem. Each stanza uh, begins with one of the um, alphabet of the, of the Hebrew alphabet. And many theologians believe that the reason this is because David was penning this and he wanted to teach his son Solomon the alphabet. But as they studied deeper, it was more than that. It wasn't just about teaching his son the alphabet. It was about teaching him a rhythm of life that if he would get the word in him and he would know the word, that there would be a rhythm of life that he could live according to. Psalm 119, going to verse 105. We're just gonna read one verse. Some of you got worried because he's like, he's gonna read the longest chapter in the Bible on a Sunday morning. Just gonna read one of them. Psalm 119, verse 105. And the way that you understand, the way this was written, although he wrote it to help teach his son something, it wasn't written from a, a studious standpoint. It was written from a revelation standpoint. In other words, it wasn't penned out. So, hey, like, like, I want you to look at this and study this. It was written from a standpoint of, I've just discovered something and it's awesome. Are you with me? And so he makes this revelation declaration in Psalm 119, 105. And it says, your word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path. Your word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path. That, that word lamp, obviously we got a lamp sitting over here, um, but they wouldn't have had a lamp like this. And so when he was writing this, he was thinking about a candle on a candlestick or on a lamp stand. And if there was a lamp on a lamp, or on, a, on a candlestick, it would just give light right here. In other words, I've gotta be close to the light in order for the light to be effective, okay? And so that's the, that's the premise of the first part. Your word is a lamp to guide my feet. I've got to be around it in order for me to see what's happening, in order for me to take a step and make sure it's the right step to take. But then he says, and it's also a light for my path. And the idea here that he was writing with was, um, it's like the sun at day where the sun lights up everything and I can see where I'm going. Your word is to me, man, it's a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for your word. God, we thank you that your word is absolutely amazing. And God, I pray that in the next few moments that we have together, that you would take this one verse and you would radically transform our life. God, as we dive into it. Lord, I pray that we'd walk out of here eternally changed, having encountered your amazing word. God, I pray you'd help me now in this time that I have, create an environment for people to discover your son, Jesus, know your incredible love, and understand the amazing plan you have for them. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. 
I mean, how many of you guys have ever had this, uh, this, this happen to you? You go to some place that's unfamiliar to you, much like we just did this weekend. We're staying in a hotel room. You go to a hotel, you go to an Airbnb, you go to a place you've never been before, and, um, and so you go to bed at night, and, and you turn off the lights, and it's completely dark in that place. You don't quite have the layout because it's not your home. And in the middle of the night, because you're approaching 50 like myself, um, that you have to get up in the middle of the night to take care of some stuff. All of the younger generations, like, I don't know what we're talking about. And this happened to me not too long ago. A couple months back, um, we were staying in this place that totally unfamiliar. We kind of got there late. We checked in. Um, we kind of get set up. It has one of those Jack and Jill bathrooms, so it's got an entrance from either side. Kids are staying out in the living room. We're staying in the bedroom. In the middle of the night, sure enough, I got to get up. And so, and it has one of those crazy pocket doors. Y'all know what I'm talking about. It's not a door that opens and closes. It's, it's a, so when it's closed, it feels kind of like the rest of the wall. And, um, and my wife, she doesn't, she doesn't like being woke up in the middle of the night because if she gets woken up in the middle of the night, I, I hear about it for the next 24 hours. Come on, somebody. And so I, I do what every good husband does. I try to be super quiet because I don't want to wake up anybody else. And so it's pitch dark. I got to use the restroom. I get up and I, I head over to where I believe the bathroom is, but I get over there and the pocket door is closed and I can't tell the difference between the wall and the door. And I'm stuck there, and I'm literally trying to open this thing, and I finally get it open, and I get in there in the other door, so I go and shut the other door, close that, and then I turn the light on, um, and then when I leave, I turn the light off. How many of you guys know how bad that is? The light's got bright, now it's dark again, right? And so by the time I get back to the bed, I have bruises on my shins. Come on, somebody. My knees are banged up. My elbows are banged up. I've walked into like a million different things because I can't see where I'm going because it's completely dark. I don't understand the layout. And because of that, man, by the, I just wanted to get up and use the restroom. By the time I come back, I need Band-Aids. <laughs> I feel like that's the way some of us are walking through our spiritual journey. Some of us are walking through our spiritual journey just like that. We're wondering why we are offended. We're wondering why we're offending others. We wonder why we're hurting. We wonder why we're in depression. We wonder why we're in anxiety. We wonder why we're lacking joy. We wonder why we can't break through this issue or break through this thing. And we're walking and it's like we're banging into stuff and we're hurting. And the reason is, just like me, you are not turning the light on. The Bible says his word is a lamp to my feet and a light unto my path. Some of you are trying to navigate your way through your spiritual journey without turning on the light, without getting into the word. But you ought to understand something, that Jesus put us in this world, and he gave us one tangible thing, and that tangible thing is the word of God. And the word of God declares about itself, this right here is a lamp to God my feet, and a light to my path. You cannot make it through this life without the word. You might have the word. So I might, I might have myself a little light, but the light does me no good unless I turn it on. Listen to me, I could gather all the lamps and all the lights I want. I could have the Bible app on my phone. I could have seven Bibles in different translations sitting on my bookshelf. But unless I do this, I'm walking in the dark. Unless I open this up, I am walking around, banging into everything, only to be frustrated by the end of the night. Are you with me? Why am I all bruised up? 
why am I all banged up? Why, 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 why can't I seem to, to have conflict resolution with people? Why can't I seem to, to, to care for my family the way I'm supposed to? Why can't I overcome this one issue in my life? Why can't I, why can't I come to a place to forgive others? Why is it? Because you're not opening up the word. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my back. This book, this, this book consisting of 66 different books written over the course of 1,600 years by, by, by 40 different authors in three different languages on three different continents, but yet it all comes together with one common theme. The theme is the grace of Jesus Christ. This book is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Listen to what Hebrews says. Hebrews makes this declaration, the word of God itself. Hebrews 4.12 says, for the word of God is alive and powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between the soul and the spirit, between the joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. So accurate, so pure, so true is the word of God that it's the one thing Jesus uses in the New Testament to defeat the enemy. It is written. It is written. It is written. What was Jesus teaching us right then in that moment? He was teaching us that in the moment of being confronted with darkness, in the moment where you can't see where you're going, rather than bumping your way through life, why don't you just go over and turn the lamp on? It is written. Isn't that what Jesus said? When the enemy came in to tempt him, he came in to tempt him, and Jesus said, no, 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 no. It is written. And he turned the light on and shattered the darkness. See, some of you, you're walking through your life and you got so many questions and so many things swirling around and you're dealing with so much anxiety. Why is it? Because the lamp isn't turned on. You're, you're in a dark moment and anxiety's there. And if you just turn the lamp on, you would read, hey, be anxious for nothing, but, but through all prayer and supplication, make your requests known to him and the peace of God that surpasses all human comprehension would come and guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. I'd rather do that than walk around with anxiety. Oh, the diagnosis comes. Stage three, triple negative breast cancer. What are you going to do? I'm going to turn on the lamp. He's Jehovah Rapha, my healer and my health. I will be in health and prosper even as my soul prospers. Well, man, it's been a rough, been a rough time. And I don't know, like things didn't work out the way that I thought they would work out. I mean, I've been trying this and trying that. Many are the plans in a man's heart, but nevertheless, it's the Lord's counsel that stands. Got, you got you to turn, turn the light on. You got to turn the light on, man. Like, man, my marriage is on the rocks. And, man, I don't know what's going on. And, and it's been super difficult. And I think we're going to get a divorce. What God has brought together, let nothing tear apart. Man. Man, I'm, I'm struggling financially right now. It is super challenging. And so, can I just pause right there for a moment? I gave this to the first service. It's not in the notes. I'll give it to you. The reason you're struggling financially is because you're spending more than you're making. That's, that's like a light bulb moment right there. 
Oh, and you're not tithing. I mean, it's not, it's not rocket science. I make $2, I spend four, I broke. <laughs> but of course, there are those moments, right? There's those unexpected moments. Maybe, maybe you are budgeted out. Maybe you are tithing and you, you find yourself in that moment where, man, I don't know how we're going to make it. Really? The righteous have never been forsaken, nor their seed had to beg bread. He owns the, 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 the cattle on a thousand hills. You just got to turn the light on. His word is a lamp to my feet, meaning that I've got to see if over here, I mean, if the lights were dark over here, I wouldn't be able to see. I've got to be close to the lamp in order for the lamp to light my feet. I've got to be right here in the, in, in, in the premises of the lamp. And when I am, I can navigate all of this that's happening around me and in me. His word is a lamp and a light. It's both correctional and it's directional. It'll correct you so that it can direct you. It's, it's a lamp to my feet. What God, what, what, what's happening? Like David prayed, Lord, find any wicked way in me and deal with it. I just don't want to lose the Holy Spirit. Deal with me. Deal with my heart. It's correctional. It's here, but it's also directional. It's a light to my path. And what is my path? My path is not some earthly destiny. My path is not some tangible goal. My path is heaven. And so it's, 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 it's confronting me here with things that will keep me from, from there. His word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. It is both correctional and it is directional. You know, the Bible says that you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. That, that word set is literally to make you free. It'll, 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 it'll do whatever it does to untie you and, and make you free. I think the problem is sometimes we misunderstand true with truth. Because something can be absolutely true without being truth. It's true that our worship director had cancer. But the truth is that with God, all things are possible. See, something can be true without being truth. It's true. You are dealing with anxiety and depression. That's true. But the truth is, God is near the brokenhearted. That's truth. And see, sometimes we, sometimes we latch on to what's true and wonder why we're not being set free because the Bible doesn't say what's true sets you free. It says truth sets you free. It's, it's being in the lamp that gets me out of the darkness. Yeah, somebody can tell me a whole lot of things that are true, but until I get to the truth, I'm still walking in. I'm still walking in darkness. But his word is a lamp. You getting anything out of this this morning? His word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. And pastor, what's the problem? What's the problem? 
The problem, let me, give you, let me give you a couple of them. The problem is you never turn it on. You never do this. This, right, this here right here might be the hardest thing about Christianity. Just, just open it. Begin to read. Where do I start? Anywhere's good. Anywhere's good. Start Genesis 1. You don't want to start with the Old Testament? Start with the New Testament. Go to John. I always tell people to start with the book of John. book of John's good. Just read it. Open it. The problem isn't that the light don't work. The light works. Some of you, some of you complaining, like, oh, I tried church and I tried the Bible. It didn't work for me. I, I can, you look silly walking around like this. What you doing? I'm um, being a Christian. Really? Is that what it looks like? I, I think so. That's silly. But now this makes sense. Like, oh, get it now. It, it works if you actually turn it on. Some of the, we, don't, we don't even turn it on. Or how about this one? Uh, how about this one? We only hear it on Sundays. Oh, we turn it on on Sundays. I mean, pastor can preach, right? And we, man, I come on Sundays. It's so good. Pastor Julian, great message. That's awesome. I love it. And you're just hanging out around his lamp. Ooh. Right? And then the minute you leave, the light ain't on anymore. Right? Like, it's like, like I talked about earlier. I, how many of you guys have all done it? I know I've done it. I don't want to wake up my family, but I need to see where I'm going, so click, click. I turn it on and off real quick. How many of you guys done that before? Am I the only one? Like, I just need to see. Someone said, yeah, you're the only one. Okay, then I won't finish the story. Whatever. <laughs> Come to the one o'clock. Thanks. <laughs> right? Like, like I, I'm, I'm waiting. I'm like, okay. Click, click. Okay, I think I know where I'm going. But it just leaves all this like, oh, what's going on? Right? I mean, some of you wondering why you're frustrated. Well, I mean, it sounded really good on Sunday. It's, it's good on Monday, too. It's good on Tuesday. Hump day is coming. Wednesday, it's there. It's, it's good. The same, the same light that shines on Sunday, it can shine all week long. But you just gotta, you gotta turn it on. Here's another problem. Another problem is, is that um, a lot of times we read the word with a filter. I, I, you know, I don't have anything I can lay, I actually didn't, no, I don't have anything. If I had something to lay over this, right, and we turn it on, it's, it's still on. It's there, but there's just a filter over it. And so it's not as bright. And, and then there might be another filter over, another filter, another, it's still on, but there's a filter. And too many of us read the word of God through a filter. We read it through a pastor filter. Well, pastor said, listen, all pastor's doing is trying to teach you how to turn the light on. Here, let me, let me, let me dumb it down. If I could just put it in terms of what we're doing on Sunday, here's what we're doing on Sunday. Hey, church, glad you're here. This is the word 
This is your life without the word, you know? Like. Here's the power switch. Turn it on. That's what, that's what we're doing on Sunday. That's what we're doing. And some of us read it through, oh, a pastor said, no, pass, all pastor's trying to do is get you excited about the word so you read the word for your own life so that you have a lamp for your feet and a light for your path. Or sometimes here's what we do, we, we read it through um, a theological th filter. Like, like, like we, we take theology, which is just someone else's opinion about the word, and we read the word of God through the opinion of somebody else. And so now we're reading through theology, whatever it is, it could be your denomination, it could be whatever. I mean, it could be the latest blog you're reading and this person's theology and idea. And so now when we read the word, we read it through their lens and now somebody come up with crazy stuff. Oh yeah, women can't be in ministry. Oh, it got quiet. The gifts of the spirit aren't for today. Miracles, they die with the apostles. What are you doing? You're reading the Bible through somebody else's filter. But listen to me. The Bible was never meant to be read through theology. Theology was supposed to come through the word. We're supposed to take everything in life and read it through the filter of the word. Because the Bible says that everything you need for life and godliness is found in him. He's given you everything you need. If you need to know more about your business, it's in the word. You need to know more about your marriage, it's in the word. It's there. But we tend sometimes to read the word through a lens of somebody, of somebody else. Or, or how, how about this one? How about this one? We use the lamp as an interrogation tool. The lamp and the light, right? Rather than, rather than us being around the lamp, we're trying to take the lamp to everybody else. Oh my gosh. Stop what you're doing there. <laughs> Knock it off. Sinners. <laughs> you laugh, but some of you are like, ha, 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 how did he know? <laughs> No, no, look, look what it says. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. And, and the reason I'm stumbling and tripping and not heading in the right direction is, is because I'm trying to make it applicable to somebody else rather than, let me ask you this question. How many of you have been sitting in church before and you heard the message and you're like, oh my gosh, this would be so good for so-and-so right now? Right? Oh man, too bad my wife ain't here. This would be good for her. Right? Man, if only my kids would have came today. Well, you're here today. Maybe God's trying to get something to you. But here's what happens. Rather than, rather than allowing this to work in our life and, and pointing our lights towards heaven where they should be, we, 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 we use it as an interrogation tool. Let, let me prove it to you. Let me prove it to you. Oh my God, can you believe Target? Pause for effect. I cannot believe Target would sell those kind of clothes. Huh. Can't believe they would do that. I'm gonna boycott them. 
Because they're evil. And you all know within 48 hours you went back to Target. Because you needed yourself a white claw. Come on, somebody. You know. Needed a six-pack of T-shirts. I'm, I'm never... Can you believe Budweiser? Oh my gosh. I'll never look at those horses in those commercials again. It seems like it's ridiculous. I'm drinking Michelob from now on. <laughs> we're we're going to teach them. We're going to take that $19 billion target and reduce it down to $15 billion. Take that target. Isn't it amazing how we can put the spotlight on an institution that doesn't even claim to be Christian of what they're doing, and we can boycott them, but we can't boycott gossip in our own life. Hey, we, we can come over here and, oh my gosh, Budweiser, but yet we can't boycott pornography in our own life. Oh, I got less cheers on that one. Amazing. Oh, I cannot believe sinners are sinning. <sighs> the audacity of the world. The sky is falling. But you can't boycott fornication. Anger. Bitterness. Envy. Strife. What would happen if we took this simple verse and said, I'm going to live by that? What would happen if we all turned on the lamps in our life and said, you know what? I'm not going to worry about what's happening to my brother and sister, and I'm definitely not going to worry about what's happening in the world right now. I'm just going to deal with my own sin. I'm going to deal with my own iniquity. I'm going to deal with my own transgression. I'm going to deal with what's happening here. What would happen if hundreds of us turned on the lamps and started living according to the word? What would happen if we had hundreds of these lamps in this room? This room would light up. If we had thousands of believers in LA saying, you know what? I'm just going to deal with the sin in my life and I'm going to allow the lamp to be a lamp in my life. Man, I'm telling you, LA would light up. What would happen? If, if, if it was, we took the light and we shined it on, listen, our light, what happens when all of a sudden we shine it on a target or we shine it on some social injustice cause? All of a sudden our lights are now there when our lights were meant to point on him in heaven. No wonder the world can't find him. No wonder the world's confused. No wonder the world's struggling. The world that you keep interrogating. What if we all just said, man, I'm gonna, I want to be around the lamp and I want to be around and I want to light up heaven. Then everybody could look and say, wow, I want to be a part of that. I want to be a part of Oasis Church. I want to go there. Man, the worship is fire. Man, they preach the word of God. Man, prophetic is flowing. Miracles are happening. And they come and listen to me. This is what people are craving. This is what people are craving. They're tired of stumbling through the dark. what people want they want the word well I don't know about that pastor well if they looked at your life and saw it working for you they'd want it 
Micah, one of the great prophets in the Old Testament, he had a revelation of the church. And he could, he could only use his understanding to describe what it looked like and what it was. But he does it, and he does it in Micah chapter 4, verses 1 and 2. It says, in the last days, the mountain of the Lord's house will be the highest of all. Listen to it. The most important place on the earth. It'll be raised above the other hills, and people from all over the world will stream there to worship. What did Micah see? Micah saw the church. But he's using terminology that, that he understands and that the people understood at the time. He's, he's seen in the last, it says in the last days. And he saw the church. And he saw the church being elevated above every institution. Telling us this, there's other places that people will try to go to. There's other places that people will try to go to have that need met and that, that, that hunger filled. But it'll only leave them wanting. But there's going to be an important place, the most important place on the earth, high above all those other institutions. Listen to it, verse 2. People from many nations will come and say, come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of Jacob's God. Listen, there he will teach us his ways, word, and we will walk in his paths, word, for the Lord's teaching, word, will go out from Zion. His word will go forth from Jerusalem. What are people craving? People are craving the lamp. People are craving the light. And when they come, it's the one thing they're going to desire. But when they walk into the church, will they find a place of hope and healing? Or will they find people stumbling through the darkness because they haven't turned on the lamp? It's my prayer, and it's been my prayer ever since January 1st, 2023. God, bring the church back to your word. Listen to me. I'm telling you, we've been seeing miracles happening in our church. Why have we been seeing miracles happen in our church? We started our church 10 years ago. We just celebrated our 10th anniversary in March. But from day one, we said, we're never going to compromise this. Whatever this says about every matter of life is true. And we're going to declare this. And I don't know why it took 10 years. But here we are 10 years later and we're seeing God confirm 10 years of preaching unashamedly the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we're seeing him confirm it with miracles. And I believe I was talking with your pastor last night as we were out, had a great meal together, great time together. I probably had the best pork chop I've ever had in my life. It's a true story still thinking about it as I'm preaching. <laughs> and I heard his heart last night. Man, he loves you guys. And one of the things we talked about is how we're both just desperate to see the move of God, the presence of God, signs and wonders, miracles. And in the first service, man, this place was packed full at the altar, people needing a miracle. And so I want to pray for anybody and everybody that needs a miracle today. Thanks for joining us. Be sure to subscribe, review, and share with a friend. To join us on the journey of being present, connected, and generous, visit oasisla.org connect. We love you so much, and we'll see you soon.